What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murder. three of Robert Hansen and for anyone who isn't aware we record all the week's episodes one day a week so we're gonna have a special guest for all of our episodes this week Sharon you want to say hi hey special guest Sharon everybody it's really great to be here Um, So today, Sarah's going to be telling us part three of Robert Hansen's story. But before we get into that, a uh, little bit of business. If you haven't listened to our other podcasts, please check them out. Speaking of missing persons and speaking of hauntings, if you like this, you like those, check out our Instagram. You can find pictures there for today's episode at Missing Murdered Haunted and check out our Facebook, Missing Murdered Haunted Podcast. So. Now that's out of the way, Sarah. Oh, you want me to just jump right in? I mean, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about this piece of shit. It's the pooping sound. <laughs> Is it, Bobby? Because <laughs> he's a turd. He definitely stinks. Yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> he spends all of his time in the wilderness. So yeah, probably he probably. I, w- does I was meaning both in like smell, I guess, but more so in he's just a shitty person. So, yeah. but you know what? Thinking about it, he's an avid hunter, so he's probably he probably does stink with blood and all the crap that he gets on him anyway. Well, dear P. I mean, do I stink? Because I get blood and anal glands and shit all over me all the time. I think it's different because <laughs> you shower on a regular basis. Anyway. I mean, hunters would shower too, Shauna. I mean, except for when they're out a, in the field. That's hunting. what I'm saying, though. He's he could be out there for three days. I bet you he smells like shit. Okay, that okay. He's got crusty bones. <laughs> I I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> Let's talk about Robert Hansen's crusty buns. All right. Well, where we left off was. The police finding the items in his attic that they had been looking for. So you would think this would make it where they could convict this asshole of murder, right? That wasn't enough evidence? No. Glenn? (laughs) No, it wasn't. Because they didn't have proof that he actually shot those guns okay. remind me what was in his attic um, money was... and guns money the... and guns no there not a... money the there was a bag with jewelry oh yeah that okay. like they know for sure one of the necklaces came from sherry morrow and there was like six guns including the the mini fourteen, the mini fourteen that shot the two two three rounds that they found casings for, right? Gotcha. Okay. By those, by the two 
women, which was Sherry Morrow and Paula Golding. Is, those were the two. That those the, were the two that they were that were found right bes- next to each other. Right. But, but they also found the map behind his waterbed. And in the attic, there's two maps. That had all of the, that he had marked all the places that he left people. Mm-hmm. So jewelry of but these they people don't know, and like, the maps. Okay, but the maps, they are just maps. It's not like it says on the map, this is where I killed or left bodies. It could just be, this is where I went hunting. Okay. <laughs> So pretty much Glenn still had work ahead of him if they wanted to convict Hansen of the murders. The big thing he did is kept a really close eye on Cindy because he didn't want to lose her. She's like star witness. And he started like having lunch with her once a week to keep track of her pretty much. And at some point he actually did get her to leave her pimp and go stay with a fan, like in a safe house with the family to try to get her shit together. And she's the one that he had the address of her parents? No. Oh, no. Okay. Cindy is the one that got away at the airport okay. at the very beginning. The one he raped and then. Oh, okay. Okay. She left. The one that he took her parents' address was Robin. So he did get. John Henning, which is one of the guys who gave the alibi, to admit he was lying, but not until he subpoenaed him to a grand jury. Dude, like, avoided the cops like the plague until he was forced to go in front of a grand jury. Hansen had never been at his house that night, of course, that Cindy got attacked. Glenn spent, like, all of his free time trying to get a conviction against Hansen. It was like his life goal at this point. He knows he did it, obviously. The two maps that they found, Glenn realized that 10 of the 24 marks were along the same stretch of riverbank, the Nick River, where they found Sherry Morrow and Paula. Paula. Ten marks were from that same area of 24. And he knew they were going to be spending their whole summer looking for bodies because they had to wait until the ground thawed. Because they didn't know if they're on the surface, if they're in shallow graves. Well, because the other two were. Were in shallow graves, yeah. In the meantime, Glenn pulled case files for a woman named Johanna Messino. She was on his list, and her body was found um, in the Kenai Peninsula, which there were several marks on the map in that area. So he called Officer Chuck Miller, who had worked that case, and verified exactly where her body was found, and there was an X in that exact spot. And I'm going to tell you, when they found her body, she had been eaten partially by a bear. Oh. And the bear was still in the area, so when they tried to remove her body the bear almost 
killed them and they were like stuck between a rock and a hard place because they need her body for evidence but in alaska you couldn't kill black bears at the time so it was like a so this bear was guarding her yes like it had claimed her and was going to eat her oh so i think they resorted to firing gunshots in the air to try to scare it away but they literally had to fight a bear to get her body so chuck also pointed out there was another body found in the village of uklutna near power lines and no they hadn't identified her they were just calling her uh uklutna annie and she is still to this day never been identified so now they have four bodies that they think were Robert Hansen's murder victims. Okay, so all four bodies had marks on the map? On the the maps. Yep, and there were X's where Sherry Morrow's body was and Paula Golding's, like the exact spots. So Glenn knows this map is a map of where you put bodies. Right. But it's just proving that's what this map is. You would think because there's four bodies already that have been found in those exact spots. Well, at this point, it seems obvious. Right. But even though Hansen was still not being charged with murder, Judge Carlson approved another search warrant for his house because Glenn wanted to... When they originally searched, they were only allowed to take five of the guns that they found because that's all that was written in the search warrant is those five specific guns. So Glenn got another search warrant to get every gun because he was like, there's possibly 24 murder victims. We don't know. He could have used any one of these guns. So we need all the guns. So that was a big thing is getting every weapon that the man owned, which was a lot. And it seems smart, though. Well, yeah, especially since they, the two other bodies did not have shell casings next to them. Aklutna Annie was actually stabbed, not shot. So, But since he treats them like game... I mean, obviously, he could try different things and test it out and see what yeah what works to do best. It. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So they want everything. Glenn was hoping that all the pressure they were putting on Hansen would cause him to crack, because Hansen had always taken plea deals in his other cases before it could go to trial. So Glenn was like hoping for that, like. I keep putting pressure on him. I'm fine. I got these other two bodies. Now I'm taking all of his weapons. He's just sitting in jail. The problem was, though, that Hansen's defense attorneys were trying everything possible to get Hansen's trial, like, thrown out completely or relocated or, at the very least, they wanted the evidence against him thrown out. Why? Uh, Why? Because they said that it was that they searched his house for no good reason, pretty much. There was, they did it out of a hunch. Uh, they did it for Cindy. Yeah, I know, but uh, I feel like they had more than just a hunch. Yes, because they oh, were well, looking they definitely for did. what Cindy claimed was there. 
Yeah, they were looking for a gun that he used on Cindy and also that mini 14. Right. But in in reality, his defense attorneys 100% believed he was innocent. It wasn't a case of we know you're guilty, but it's our job to, you know, get you out of this or whatever. Like, they really believed he was innocent. It's like the craziest shit. The judge denied everything they came up with. Are you okay? Yeah, this whole case is just fucking aggravating. <laughs> well, because everybody thinks he is this, like, perfect fucking guy, and yeah. nobody believes that he is capable of doing these things, and yet all of these victims are being wrote off like they don't fucking matter. Well, and then he also has, like, their belongings. Right. Like, to me, that's, like, a huge red flag. Yeah. <laughs> He has women's jewelry hiding in his attic that you have proved some belong to these women. And he's married, right? Yes. And she had no idea. No clue. Have they fingerprinted uh, the jewelry? No. They have not done anything with the jewelry yet. So it's literally just... It's like I said, it's like they're... There's there's no proof he put the jewelry there. There's no proof he's the one who shot the gun. It's like a... But the jewelry's in his house. Hidden in his house. The map was behind his bed. Like... Smith is like so heated. <laughs> She's gonna start punching shit. Well, like I said, the, ju- the judge denied everything that the defense attorneys came up with. This made Glenn think that they could now charge him with murder. Like, he thought, okay, well, the judge believes me, so now we can charge him with murder. But again, the DA just, they just wanted to convict him of the kidnapping and rape of Cindy. And then go back later and maybe convict him of murder. At least get him behind bars for something. Yeah, but the last time they did that, they only put him away for two months. No, I know. Well... Luckily, Glenn turned out to be completely right about Hanson, and the pressure was just too fucking much. He was like, I'm about to go down. Oh, did he, like, squeal? Did he finally tell on himself? On February 18th, 1984, one of Hanson's attorneys, Fred Dewey, called the prosecution, which was Frank Rothschild, Dewey told Rothschild that Hansen wanted to clear the deck, is how he described it. This meant he he wanted to confess to something, but they weren't sure what that something was. They had no idea if he was just going to confess to raping Cindy or if they were going to get him to confess to everything. Is he a pirate? That's so weird. What? That was just a really weird way to put it. Oh, clear the deck? Yeah. Is he a pirate? Oh, I was thinking, like, clear your hand like a deck of cards. Yeah, Yeah, see, I I had that same thought. Sean is over here on a boat. Yeah, I was thinking cards (laughs) also. Motherfucker! You know what, though? It might be because I'm I'm reading One Piece. (laughs) Oh. Why? Reading it? That's going to take you to, like, for an eternity. That's okay. Here we are. That might be why I'm with pirates, though. So. so, what they're 
the DA is basically just trying to get him behind bars so they have more time to collect evidence. Correct. For the murders. Yes. But Glenn is like, I know he murdered these people, these women. I want to go after him kind of a deal. So now we're like, he wants to clear the deck, whatever the the hell that means, but... It's a fishing term. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So we are on pirates. Yeah, yep. It's kind of like swabbing the deck, but with a squeegee. Ah, okay. Well, Hanson postponed the meeting, though, claiming he wanted to think it over for the weekend. In the end, he chose to go through with it, they would end up meeting 48 hours after this. Hansen had conditions, though. He wasn't just going to give them information without things in return. So he wanted a deal. Not so much a deal, actually. He knew he was, I think he knew he was going to end up in prison for life. So there wasn't really much of a deal he could I mean, if you yeah. already know you're going to go, what what year was this again? Remind me, I'm sorry. 84. I think 84 was the same year the original Nintendo came out, right? Or the Atari. I don't know. I think the Atari. Yeah, you make a deal. Like, yeah, I want, I want a TV and an Atari in my lifelong cell. That's what I want. That's my deal. Mm, his deal was that he wanted his confession to be announced to the public on a Monday, and he wanted to have already been transported to the courthouse before his confession was announced. I think we should release this episode on Tuesday just so he doesn't get what he wants. <laughs> he did not want to be taken across their big parking lot in front of press. So he wanted no media attention while he was, like, being transported places. Correct. Because he wanted to minimize the exposure to his children. And he wanted the hurts and so forth. This was going to cause his family to also be minimized. And because the two things he was asking for were, like, whatever, the prosecution agreed. They're like, okay, we will do what you want. The interview took place in a room at the DA's office. Uh, Glenn was there, Rothschild, both of Hanson's attorneys, and Hanson, and the district attorney. His name is Vic Crum. I kind of like his name. Victor Crum? Yeah. Like from Harry Potter? Yeah. But... I don't think this guy's from Harry Potter. (sighs) He's a Quidditch legend. (laughs) Well, Rothschild wanted Hanson to just tell them what he wanted to tell them. He didn't want to have to ask him questions because he didn't want it to come off as them leading him later on. But Hanson was like, Mm, it would be better if you just ask me what you want to ask me and I'll tell you the answer the best I can. Cause so he I didn't want to he... give out too much information about himself. Exactly. And he claimed he 
didn't have the details they were looking for, like dates and names and stuff like that. Rothschild decided to start with the most recent crime against him, so he asked about Cindy. Everyone noticed that when Hansen spoke, he was completely level-headed and calm, and it was, like, eerie because he was just monotone and, like, he didn't fucking care about any of it. So now we're going to hear what his side of the story is with Cindy. First, he claimed he didn't know what date it was. Which, honestly, doesn't really surprise me. It doesn't surprise me Because if he's got this, you know, Madonna complex thing, which I looked up and, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Then it would make sense that he wouldn't care enough because he values them so little. Yeah. It doesn't matter what date it was. It doesn't matter what their name is. There's some whoer that he is just, it's no different to him than literally hunting an animal because they're about as valuable, maybe less so. Absolutely. He gives no shit. Glenn pointed out to him that it this with Cindy happened, you know, when your wife was out of town in June. And then Hanson was like, oh, yeah, yeah. My wife and kids were in Arkansas. That's right. So that made him go, oh, okay, I can associate that to this day. But you just saying her name and that I raped her, that that means nothing to me. Right. <laughs> he s- started telling them what happened, according to him. He said he met Cindy previously and got her phone number, like before this night. But when he called her to set up a date, she claimed to be busy. Then on June 13th, he was on his way home from his friends fixing his airplane seat. But that happened earlier in the day, not in the middle of the night. He decided to go by and check the bakery and make sure that the lights were off and all of that before he went home because he knew his wife was out of town whatever he saw cindy standing on the side of the street so he pulled over to talk to her cindy got in his car and agreed to go to his house with him for sex once at his house they went into the basement he turned the tv on they sat on the couch for a little bit just talking she said she needed to get back he told her he wanted to have sex with her on that bearskin rug but wanted to handcuff her. She said she would have sex with him for the money, but absolutely no handcuffs. At this point, he says it was the first time he used force on her, and he pulled out his gun and forced her to put the handcuffs on. Now, if you remember, her story was as soon as she got in the car, he handcuffed her, drug her into his house, took her to the basement, and immediately raped her. Right. That's not what he's claiming. He's claiming he did not try to do anything to her until she refused to put on the handcuffs at his house. Then he claims they had sex on the rug, but he still didn't rape her. Well, he doesn't view it as rape anyway because she's a prostitute. Right. But he's extra saying he didn't rape her, that the sex was still consensual because he had given her money. The fact that he had to pull a gun out and have her put on handcuffs 
right there should have been the first hint that this was not consensual. Right? Right? Oh, he pisses me off. After that, he claims that he moved the entire couch to that pillar in the basement because he had an eye bolt in this pillar. And then he went to the garage and got the chain and he hooked her to the pillar with the eye bolt. So his claim is the whole time she's on the couch with her arms like above her head hooked to this eye bolt with chain that it was never around her neck, that, that nothing bad was happening to her except she was her arms were chained above her. Then he skips ahead. That's the end of what he'll talk about being in the basement. He skips ahead telling them like when she got away. He said he raced home, took the eye bolt out of the pillar, and then puttied the hole. Then he left again and went to his friend's house to create his alibi. And by the time he got back to the house, that's when the cops were there. So his story is a lot different than her story. Yeah. He then moves on to telling them the only way women would get left in the bush is if they didn't cooperate with him. So he just flat out gives them this information. Like, yeah, I've taken women out to the bush, which is their way of describing the wilderness of Alaska. Right. And if they cooperate, then I'll bring them back. But if they don't cooperate, they just get left out there. He's he's not confessing that he murders them, just that he leaves them out there in the middle of nowhere. Glenn tried to get him to tell them about his first murder, and they thought it was in the early 70s, which it technically was, but Hansen lied again, saying his first murder was the woman they were calling a Klutna Annie, but that didn't happen. Like, she didn't get murdered until 1979. Oh. He had done that whole thing with Robin way before that. Right. The uh, dancer that he put her in his camper and she ended up getting away from him. That was all before 1979. And he's claiming, no, the first one I killed was a Klutna Annie in 1979. He went into detail about what he could remember happened with that murder, which he claimed, same deal, she's a prostitute, he offered her money, they were out in this area, his truck got stuck trying to go up a hill, she freaked out, tried to take off running from him, he chased her down, and the next thing he knew, he was just stabbing her to death. And so he just left her where she laid, which was like by some power lines. So like very Ryan Reynolds, the voices. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Like he's like, wait, hold on and following her and doesn't realize he has a knife in his hand. She trips, he trips, and then it's the knife's in her and he's like, oh my God. Well, it was her her knife. Stabbing her. It was her knife. She pulled the knife out on him. But then, then I, 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 sorry, I left that part out. And then somehow 
she ended up being the one to get stabbed. But she pulled the knife out of her purse on him. And they asked him, was she naked? And he was like, no, she was never naked. I didn't, I didn't get her naked. But I guess when they found her, she was naked. Just or like she, it was like one. it was like the same situation where her wounds were underneath the clothing. Right. So she had to have been naked when you stabbed her and then you dressed her like a fucking weirdo. Yeah. And it doesn't I don't feel like you can accidentally stab someone to death. Like, well, 100 percent. No, you I, cannot. You cannot stab someone to death by see, accident. I can see like one. Oops. Oh, yeah, but, like, multiple, like, oh, no, I'm so sorry, I can't stop. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> he sounds like a toddler telling a story. Yeah. Right. Like, very yeah, much. Pretty much. My brain was saying no, but my hands were just stabbing and stabbing and stabbing. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But then <laughs> he jumped straight from talking about Annie to telling them about how he had a stutter when he like really bad when he was a teenager and his acne and his anger of being made fun of by these girls in high school and he said I didn't start to hate all women I started to fall in love with every one of them but I guess prostitutes became women I put lower than myself that's like an actual quote from him so he just gave them his motive behind killing all of them essentially yeah kind of he was rejected and treated like shit as a teenager yeah by women and any one of them that talked to him he just automatically fell in love with and then they treated him like shit so he was getting his revenge pretty much well he also made sure to repeat that these women, if they would have just let him have control of them and didn't try to run away, he would have brought them back and they would still be alive. He said controlling them made him feel masculine and powerful. But he said it did not give him the same thrill as shoplifting. He actually claimed that shoplifting or burglarizing somebody's house made him nut his pants and was a way better feeling than killing these girls. You're fucking kidding me. No. So why do it? Just be just be a professional fucking thief. Just be a fucking klepto then if it's making you get off. Like, what the hell was the point in all the killing? Because he wanted to control someone. It was more about control than it was a sexual thing. And think about it this way. How many times do you think he actually robbed somewhere and didn't get caught? Because from what I can tell, he robbed the hardware store and got caught. And that was probably one of a very limited number of times that that happened. Actually, no. A lot of his guns were stolen. Really? From actual stores or from people. Because he made the comment to them... Uh, like in a laughing way, do you know how hard it is to steal a shotgun? How difficult it is to stick it down your pants and not get caught? Like, 
he stole things all the time. He was a klepto. Well, then that that still that plays into my thought. Is but he only ever got caught that one time when he stole the saw, like as far as getting caught and serving jail time because of it. My my guess is that he was doing this and continued to do this to these women because he was getting away with it. Yeah. It was easy for him. Yeah. And he really did want, like, it. There's, you're going to learn, Smetha, listening to true crime. They're not all sexually motivated. No, and I understand that. And he's literally doing this because he can overpower them, control them, and it makes him feel like a man. It's not the same feeling as getting the thrill of stealing something to him. That for some reason is a sexual thing these women it's just meh let's see if i can get you out into the middle of nowhere and do what i want it's almost like he probably probably is like the equivalent to him as like any of his other big game hunts well yeah and that's why he would let them go or bring them back if they cooperated because the thrill wasn't there or it was there he had control over those women they didn't fight him back they were like, just do whatever the hell you want to me, and I'll just lay here. And so to him, he was like, okay, I won the game. Sorry. Oh, but he literally did God. call it a game. So for those of our listeners who are millennials, <laughs> Sarah, just I just lost the game. Lose the game. That's not what I was expecting to happen in this episode. No. Mark that off of my 2022 uh, bingo card. I just lost the game. Yeah, and well, so I knew you. you all were going to because that's pretty much what he called this is a game. And I kind of already expected that out of him, but I don't know. I very much would like to punch him in the face. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah, I know. One good time. Well, this is going to make you want to punch them in the face also because how the game started was that... If one of these women came up to him and said, we could go out and have a good time, they were his next victim. They had to approach him. He would not talk to them first or acknowledge them. But if they came to him asking him for money in exchange for a sexual favor, then he was like, "Mm, game on. You're my next victim. Pretty much. So Sherry Morrow, he claimed, was the next girl he killed. He did not actually fly her to the Nick River like they thought he did. He drove her there. Oh. In his old brown Subaru, and he wrapped her head with the ace bandage so she could not see where they were going. He told her if she did what he said, he would take her back to town. But again, he claims his car got stuck in this area and that she just flew at him and started scratching him and attacking him. And then she got out of the car and she took off running. So he chased her. But somehow he ended up on the ground with her standing over top of him, screaming at him. So he shot her. He's no longer feeling the powerful man feeling since she's ah, over top of him. 
So after he shot her, he went and got a small shovel out of his car. He described it as a little gardening shovel because that's all he had. So he just dug up the surface of the ground, put her body in that little hole, and just covered her with whatever he could find. So Glenn knew that he was fucking lying. He was literally abducting these women. I mean, I'm sorry. Given whatever their profession is doesn't really matter, but the fact that they are women Mm -hmm. and a man is driving them blindfolded to a random location in the fucking woods, I'm sorry, you're giving me nothing but murder vibes, so I'm going to try to defend myself. Exactly. 100%. Well, like I said, Glenn knew he was lying because... Dude, same thing I said before. The bullet holes were under her clothes. They were not through her clothes. And you're, he claimed that, again, she was not naked. And also that he um, didn't do anything to her clothes. He did take her necklace. He did admit that, yes, I took her necklace. Well, they asked him, like, was this your routine? Did you usually use Ace Bandage to blindfold them so they wouldn't know where they were going? And he was like, or they said, or do you, did you do what you did with Cindy and cover them with a blanket? And his response was, oh, no, it was far better if I had them sit on the floorboard of the passenger seat with like on their knees facing towards the seat and they like I just kept their head down pressed into the seat because it made them not be able to cause a problem because they're cramped in the floorboard with you pressing down on their head then they asked did you always take the money back even with the ones that got away like that you let go and he's like well of course I did He said that he told these women he was from out of town or he was a doctor or whatever the hell bullshit he needed to tell them and would meet them in a public place like Wendy's so he could make sure that they showed up alone because if they didn't, then he was just going to bounce. So if they brought somebody with them, he would just leave the parking lot and that girl would survive. He would use disguises. So the next girl he told them about was Joanne Messing. She was living in a tent in the state park of Seward. This made him think in his head that he, like, met her on a pier, so he says. And she, he thought since, you know, she was living in a tent that he could talk her into staying in his camper because remember he would go to seaward for fourth of july yeah wait there's a town called seaward yeah yeah seaward like or like the sea like the ocean sea bobby i swear to god (laughs) (laughs) i swear to fucking god Bobby. she was saying it all last episode yeah i was how did i not catch that until now so he's a C word. Continue. Yes, yes, he is. I knew where he was going with it. C word yeah. is what he is. He's a cunt. Yeah. Oh my god. 
was the only reason why it stuck with him, <laughs> which was why I was surprised he didn't say something last time. I don't know how I didn't catch that last time. Yeah, I completely I... skipped over the fact that he's a cunt, even though he is a cunt. Oh, my God. God you're killing me, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he wanted her to stay in his camper. Whatever. She offered him a nice time if he had any money because she was broke. And we know what that means. Game on. Game on. He drove them like down closer to the water in his truck with the cam- the camper was like hooked to the back, you know, so it's one of those janky old campers from the 80s. He claimed that she asked him about money for sex again, which pissed him off. So he like stormed away from her, got in his truck, she got in the truck with him, then he was like, fuck it, you want money for sex, let's go to the camper. They go to the camper and he throws $5 in her face and told her that's all she was worth and this made her start screaming at him and at this, like he goes out of the camper She follows him yelling at him, so he turns around and shoots her. Then he shoots her dog. What? This man. And then he just Mm. left her laying there. What kind of dog was it? It didn't say. But that's how Glenn knew that this was... I'm starting to catch on why part of it, why that, that it pissed him off. It's because he's still feeling not good enough if he has to pay them for it. Mm hmm Yeah. He... How did that never dawn on me until you said that? Yeah. That like never once occurred to me that if they offer him sex or sexual favors for money. It's them telling him he's still not good enough for them. That they has, wouldn't And has just... nothing to do with their personal situation. It's you're not good enough for me to want to do this with you. Only for, for money. Yeah. And I only want money to do this with you. Like they still, it's still like telling him he's nasty. And that's well, probably why he targeted prostitutes. Yes. Either way it goes. He's still a piece of shit. Yes. Oh, no. Definitely. Well, like I said, this made Glenn realize who he was talking about. Because remember, he doesn't know any of their names. He doesn't right. know dates. He can barely fucking tell you what color hair they had. Like, none of that shit was important to him. The only, like, details he remembers are like the act of actually killing them right he left out paula golding completely during this interview like skipped right over her he did tell them about another woman that they hadn't found a body for but again he could remember nothing about her all he remembered is um i threw her in the nick river after i killed her like over the bridge into the water. Of course. That's all I remember. Yeah, because he has no... I'm going to tell you right now, he has a, a hundred IQ. He's not like the smartest dude either. Well, I'm just saying he has no, like... His only pattern is the fact that they're sex workers. Like everything else well, about it does, is typically he, very sporadic and it's like I used this yeah, he because doesn't, it's what I had and I did this to them because that's where we were. Well, yeah. He's it's, yeah. 
He's he, an opportunistic killer. I mean, but he also does go like all of them have big boobs. Oh, and I really do. I just didn't think that was worth. Like, like Sam was saying, and I can't remember if it was the first part or the second part of this story. The dude's sloppy because he's not. I feel like half the time not actually looking for this. He's like you just said, Sean. It's a crime of opportunity. He's out and about. You know, his wife and kid, kids, I don't, you know, they're off doing whatever or out of town or whatever the case may be. And he's presented with this opportunity and, all right, I'm going to take it. And then whatever he has available to him, you know, all right, well, I guess I'll do this until I can get to my plane and I'll pack stuff in my car while they're chained up or whatever the case is to try and, all right, well, I guess, uh, guess i'm gonna do this now so cool let's go yeah uh they realize pretty quickly that if his wife would have been more up his ass pretty much and like asking him questions he wouldn't have done half of what he did because he they said like she kept him in check almost but anytime she was out of town or busy or didn't care that he was going on these camping trips or whatever, when she wasn't give like, because she, it's not that she didn't care. She was just very trusting. Of she him. was just very trusting of him. Well, after he told them about the woman he threw into the river, they ended the interview for that day. On the second day of his confession, it was February 23rd, 1984. He finally admitted to Paula Golding, but he refused to give any details about her. So don't really know what happened with her that was so detrimental to him that he didn't care to even make up some kind of story about her murder. Maybe he actually did like her. And then when she asked him for money, that is what set him off. Who knows? He also claimed he only ever took three girls to the wilderness in his plane. But that was really hard for Glenn to believe, so he asked Hanson why. He's like, why? When you have skis on your plane that would allow you to land anywhere you wanted to, especially in the wintertime. And Hanson's res- Hanson responded like nonchalantly and he was like, well, the winter time was not the time to commit the murders. This was like a summertime project. Okay. So just like you said, Sam, this is his hobby. Yeah, it's a summertime project. And he I don't did it know in if- the summer so that he could bury the bodies. I think he did it in the summer because his wife was gone more in the summer. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he just moved on talking about random things. Like, he didn't just say what he just said. He just flew right past it and went on to talk about himself. The DA, Victor Crum, had enough. He's like, I've had enough of this bullshit. So I'm going to offer him something to get him to start telling the fucking truth. So the DA is like, pretty much very stern with him, and he says, if you tell us what all 
24 of these marks on this map are. Like, if they're bodies, whatever. He's like, we will only charge you for the four bodies we've already found, plus the rape and kidnap of Cindy. And all the bodies we find from here on out will be linked to you, but you'll never be charged with their murders. They don't need to anyway. They don't need to. Mm -hmm. But he's like, if you choose not to tell me where every body is in detail, then every single time we find another body, I'm dragging your ass out of prison and charging you for their murder. So he'll be in court 24 separate times. Yes. And so Hanson was like, I need a minute. Can I just have a minute to talk to my lawyers? They went across the hall. His lawyers are like fucking screaming at him because, again, remember, they thought he was fucking innocent. And for two days, he's been talking about murdering Murdering. people. Well, after some argument, Hanson agreed. But he was super freaking out about it because of the amounts of publicity it was going to create of them going to dig up these bodies. Right. And how difficult that was going to be on his wife and kids. So he he agreed to it, then turned around and was like, maybe I don't want to do it. And they're like, regardless if you do it or don't do it, we're going to every single spot on this map and looking for bodies. The problem was this map is not a... it's like an aviation map it's not going to pinpoint the exact spot that the body is it'll just put them in like a radius of where the body could be gotcha they wanted it to be a lot faster they want him to look at bigger maps that are closer in and pinpoint the exact spots where he buried these bodies or left them or whatever finally they calm him down and he agrees so they bring out all these maps and he's literally being a jackass and being picky as fuck and like this map isn't good enough this one isn't close enough this one isn't the right area blah 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 and they finally are just like dude just get us as close as you can get and then we'll take you and you can show us in person where these bodies are at first he was like i don't know if i really want to like actually go back to these places but then i guess he decided okay fine i'll just work with this map that you have and we'll talk about me going there later how kind of you yeah so by the end of it he had marked 16 marks on this map they gave him with green marker that he said were bodies that included the four they had already found So he's showing them where they found the first four and then an additional, what, 11? 12. 12. The next day, Glenn and two other officers took Hansen by helicopter so that he could show them exactly where these bodies were. So that in the spring, it would be easier for them to come back and start digging. Right. So Glenn followed behind Hansen handcuffed while holding a can of spray paint and he literally claimed that Hansen was acting like a fucking 
deer like he's jumping around in the snow and acting all crazy and would go exactly to a spot and be like here and then the first time he did it he literally got on his hands and knees and started digging like uh as quick as a dog would to try to get to the body and glenn is like dude that's not gonna work the ground is frozen you would be here all day that's not what we want you to do it's also kind of uh i'm trying to think of the word but the fact that he's being brought to these places now and he's in handcuffs. Yeah, it is very weird that he's now the one got guns pointed at him and wearing very handcuffs. ironic. Thank you. Yeah. Well, they marked 12 spots with Hansen. On Monday, Hansen appeared in front of Judge Moody at 2.45 p.m. for his sentencing, and he did they did what he wanted it was a monday they took him there first before press showed up now they didn't stop press from coming the press were in the courtroom and a lot of families of people or women that were missing that didn't know if he had killed their daughter mom whatever they were still there to watch this happen he requested again for something to stand up in front of the judge and plead guilty. He wanted to be put in a federal prison, not a prison in Alaska, because he was convinced that he would be murdered because he claimed that even in the cell he was in now, in the small jail, that inmates walked past him and told him he was going to die as soon as he got to prison for killing their women because okay you there's probably a lot of pimps in that prison and you killed their money yeah i didn't think about that yeah he also wanted to receive psychiatric help he requested that he should have requested that <laughs> a long time well he ago. said mm -hmm. he said all the times that he was offered it when he was in trouble before, he really wanted to take it, but he looked at, you know, the DA and is like, what was I supposed to do? Just walk into the psychiatrist's office and say, I killed people. Can you fix me? And then he's like, you don't know how many times I've uh, went to the Catholic church and I'm not even Catholic because I thought maybe I could sit in the confessional and confess to the priest anonymously because it's just weighing on me so much. Oh no, you feel guilty? Oh, poor baby. But he never did that. <laughs> that was what I was thinking. Like he is saying, he's requesting all these things to like, protect his wife and children now but it's like bitch that didn't keep you from doing it no like, no but he was very adamant about wanting to protect her he he wanted her to be moved out of alaska before he even confessed but she didn't want to go at first she did end up leaving after she divorced him because her kids were getting tormented at school. It because wasn't of the their whole... fault. Yeah, but that's a common thing. It's a pretty common thing for... It's unfortunate. Yeah. Because their parents are like, ew, don't hang out with them. Their dad was a murderer. Like, it's... 
fucking hereditary. Like it's fucking contagious. But anyway, so we're in the courtroom. Rothschild is the one that explained to the judge and everyone in the courtroom what they believed happened when Hansen took these women to remote areas. He said from how it looked, from where the crime started and where the four bodies had been found, they believed Hansen actually toyed with his victims before killing them. Like, they think that he chased them, caught them multiple times before finally doing it the one last time and shooting them from a distance. And that would not surprise me. No. Not even a little bit. Like a cat and mouse game. Yeah. Rothschild asked that Hansen be sentenced to 99 years each for the murders of Sherry Morrow, Paula Golding, and Johanna Messina. Then another 99 years for kidnapping Cindy, 30 years for her rape, 25 years for five counts of felony weapon possession, 10 years for two theft indictments, for a total of 461 years. Then he asked for a life sentence for the murder of a Klutna Annie. Damn. Well, the judge agreed. Other people wanted the death penalty reinstated in Alaska just for Robert Hansen, and they actually petitioned it and brought it to the government officials in alaska but nothing ever came to it like they wanted him murdered not murdered because that's the wrong word executed Mm. after being moved around between a couple of prisons robert hansen died on august 21st 2014 of natural causes that was too good for him oh it definitely was because like he had no care in the world. There was one point in time when he asked to be moved, like when they actually took him from Alaska and he got put in an Oklahoma prison, like a federal prison. Glenn rode all the way to Oklahoma with him to because he wanted to ask him questions about other victims or whatever. And Hansen's response to him was, that's in the past, man. All I care about now is the future. And I'm only 45 years old and I'll probably live to be in my 80s. That's a lot of life I still have to live. Okay. (laughs) So as quickly as it had happened, he forgot about it. Yeah. Well, by the end of summer 1984, Glenn and the three other officers that had went with him when they marked the areas had found a total of 11 bodies using the spray paint where Hansen said they were. And they were actually shocked that the bodies were as close to the spots that he said because they thought he had lied during the confession. He was just going to lead them to to different places. But he had taken them dead on to almost dead on, to 11 of them. They still haven't found that 12th one. And he's, they, they say 17 to 24 
is how many they think he killed. Well, and you have to wonder if there's any other animals that have exactly gotten to some of the others. Eaten some of them, how many he actually dumped in the river out of convenience. So, oh God, or if any of them actually survived, like survived and moved, tried to get help. Oh, yeah. And moved on their own without him realizing, because who knows? Could. So, I'm going to tell you these women's names now, okay? Okay. So, Johanna Messina, we talked about Aklutna Annie, Sherry Morrow, and Paula Golding. They were the four that he got convicted of murdering. There was a Sue Luna... Malawi Larson, Delyn Frey, Angela Federn, Teresa Watson, Tamara Pedersen, and Lisa Fatrell. Those are the bodies that they he admitted to, showed them the spots, and they were able to identify. There were three other bodies found that Hansen refused to admit to. Uh, one was Megan Emmerich, Mary Th- Bill and Roxanne Eastland. They think he did it, but he wouldn't admit to it. And that is the god awful story of Robert Hansen. What Holy a bitch bag. Smoke, oh, wait, man. before we leave, I also want to say that they still, they thought he was the Green River Killer, and all the way up until they caught the Green River Killer because of the MO and who was getting murdered. Gotcha. Mm. And because when he got arrested, the Green River murder stopped. Oh, it was that's a co- weird. It was a coincidence. Yeah. So they were like, he has to be the Green River killer also. And he was like, no, it's not me. And then come to find out it wasn't him. But just want to throw that out there, that a lot of these officers and a lot of people thought he was the Green River killer just because of that coincidence. Yeah, that's crazy. And the fact that the Green River Killer was also murdering prostitutes at the exact same time. All right. Well, if you enjoyed that story, let us know. Hop on wherever you're listening to this. Give us five stars. Give us a follow. Share it with your friends, your family. If you have a suggestion for a case you would like to hear, send that to our email, missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you want to see photos, that's on our Instagram, at Missing Murdered Haunted. Check out our Facebook, Missing Murdered Haunted Podcast. Does anyone have anything else they want to add? Nope. Yeah, guys, get on there, intermingle, because right now, I think I might be the number one fan. Sharon is our number one fan. She is our number one fan. (laughs) I would like to have other random people to talk to. (laughs) I'm very active on the Instagram bit. Heck yeah, she comments on every post. Get on there. Be Sharon's friend. Yeah, be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll see y'all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.